With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everyone. Lou Dini, Lou Lombardi, a.k.a. Lou Dini here uh, with the uh, Lou Dini Rock and Roll Circus interview series. Uh, yet again, and uh, today we are speaking with uh, Janelle Rogers, Janelle Rogers of Greenlight Go Music PR, uh, launched the business back in 2002 as a haven of honesty, integrity, and passion in response to bands experiencing being taken advantage of with a lot of like uh, quick uh, fix rip-offs and one-size-fits-all approaches that don't really work. Um, they The Greenlight Go works collaboratively collaboratively to serve you know, as your ally and partner to help you reach your goals while striving to be a place where you can like trust in your investment and in your best interest, okay? Very important stuff here, okay? And all this is done by exposing uh, the, their artists to as many fans as possible through uh, many key media relationships that they've built over the past 20 years in the music industry. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Janelle Rogers. Janelle, thank you. Welcome to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. All right. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, tell us a little bit about um, tell us a little bit about what Greenlight Go does. Okay. And what well, distinguishes you guys? Go ahead. All right. Um, well, I think we're a little bit different than other um, companies out there in the sense that we're very – you mentioned it, that we're very collaborative – um, but we take it a step further. For me, especially, I'm really um, what gets me excited is is um, community and having people work together. And I really believe that the key to a band's success is not looking at everyone as your rival, but looking at how we how can we help each other, and not just how can someone help you, but how can you help someone else because it all comes back. So. Um, with our bands, a lot of them, I find, work together to help each other. And part of the reason where that comes from is that we have a music community um, as part of Facebook where bands can share information um, and help each other. Now, that obviously is completely outside of traditional PR. That's just a component. But I, it helps really accentuate what we're doing. Now, Greenlight Go, what we do is, music publicity. So really my goal is to always really cater each campaign specifically to the artist, make sure that it's really hyper-targeted. I'm not doing that one-size-fits-all approach, but I'm really digging in and looking at what's going to be in the best interest of them. So when they come to us and they want to do an album release or an EP release, I can say, okay, yes, you are the band that we need to take. And also, I know exactly my vision of where to go with it. Um, and I'm really just getting, you know, almost, it's really a grassroots mentality of getting in and digging into everything and just pounding away at it without being overly persistent to the point that 
we irritate, you know, all the relationships that we've built. Okay. So what is a typical, but you say there are no typical campaigns. You Everything's uh, uh, individualized. But could you give me an example of maybe, uh, I was going to ask you to describe a day a day in the life of, uh, of, of Janelle Rogers, but maybe a better question would be, could you give us a sort of like whirlwind uh, tour of what a campaign typically looks like? Exactly. And there are some things that are exactly alike because okay. me, pers- me personally, I'm very pragmatic and I'm very systematic. So at the beginning of the campaign, we're actually building a timeline for the band. So let's say that it's a 12-week campaign. We're looking at, we're planning out those 12 weeks, week by week. Um, what single will we release? So we're listening to all the singles on the record and deciding what we think will be the best and where we think media will be most receptive. We're listening um, for similar artists so that when we're targeting the media list, we really nailed it with the artists that could be close and could also be one that um, the media really likes because, yeah, sometimes that can go a little awry. Just by, you know, if like, let's say if I'm doing it from the band's perspective and back in the day it used to be, well, I sound like Radiohead. I could never use Radiohead as a similar artist um, because it was so overused and that would automatically make uh, it or not. Gotcha. Um, what else do we do? We're looking at, we're setting it up and we're figuring out what are the story angles, what... Is this bio really selling the artist? Is there a great story behind this? Putting together that press release that really, again, tells a story that's unique to that artist. Um, And then from there, we release the first single um, after we've built that press list and announce when the EP and album or album will be out, and that's always three months in the future in order to have to meet the media deadlines and really to just build enough up to that because media never jumps on board right away. It takes just a constant, persistent effort to bring them on board, and so you need time to do that. Um, and then throughout that, that, throughout that campaign, it's really just week in and week out looking at what are new opportunities that we can go after um, and also with us, we put together a weekly agenda with the artist, and I have I give them to do things as well right. because really the benefit the bands that have the best campaigns are the ones that remain engaged and involved and are there with us. So I'll look at things, for instance, if they say they want Rolling Stone, well, most of the bands that we work with just aren't at a level for Rolling Stone yet. So I'll tell them what they need to do on their end to make that happen. Because nine times out of ten, um, it's going to have to come from the artist on that, just by what Rolling Stone's looking for. What? Um, okay, this is this this brings me this brings up a good point. So, what kinds of things would you have the band or the artist do? Well, for instance, I have an artist right now, uh, which he had some bigger outlets, and he we work really well together. And um, my feeling with his record, because it's a little more pop-oriented, is that he really needs a remix. He needs somebody that's, like, really credible on board. So I'm having him reach out to an established DJ um, to see if that DJ would be interested in remixing the record, because, or remixing the single, because... 
if we can get a remix from him, that it'll just that will be it. That will help so much because that DJ gets covered by everybody, and having that attached would be a and it's a great fit for the artist. So that's one thing that I do. Um, another one, I told her about booking, what little I know of it, um, about looking for a veil. Like, she really needs to get to that next level. She needs to get on the road with somebody established, and that's always easier said than done, especially when you don't have your own booking agent. But um, they have a thing called avails of what is available for an artist to open for a band, and if she can start reaching out to those booking agents and saying she's available, especially even in her home market, um, that will help take her there. Another thing could be social networking. I have this happen a lot where bands come, and again, they want Rolling Stone, but they only have 50, tw- 50 followers on Twitter, and that's just okay. not going to happen. So I first tell them that they have to, you know, they have to build up their social networking. And I've done it with a couple people where I really just give them some suggestions, um, and we build a fan profile for the band so they can, so they can kind of look at how to message and the fan profile is based on what I'm already seeing from their existing fans. So that allows them to continue to engage with their fans and then build off of that. Um, yeah, so it's really, it's pretty, it's pretty engaged the whole way. Um, what do you, so, so a band, so a band uh, you mentioned bands with 50 followers and stuff like that. So, so a band or an artist approaches you, um, what, what do you look for when you're, when you're trying to, when you're deciding if uh, you want to work with somebody? Um, first and foremost, I'm looking at, do I love the music? And um, is it a fit for our roster? Does it fit in with what I do and what I have the knowledge and relationships of? Um, the other thing is, is I want to know if they have clear goals. Because if they don't have specific goals, typically they're not ready to work with us. Um, either because they have they just don't know what they want, so it's hard for them to get involved with the campaign and make it a success. And then some um, just don't completely understand it yet or what they want out of it. Um, and it also makes it tough for me to measure expectations for them. I also am looking at, I mean, I do look at the social networks, but that's not, I, we work with bands all the time that start out with 100 followers. And then we just work with them to continue to build that. So that's not really an issue for me so much. But I do want to see that there's some sort of um, willingness to learn, even if they don't know, even if they're kind of naive in the beginning. If they're willing to learn, and that happens a lot, and I actually really enjoy it, um, then that works. But I just want to know that – I want to know that they're going to be involved in it and they're not – thinking that they're going to hire a publicist and all of a sudden they're going to end up on the cover of a magazine or be on, you know, Kimmel or something. It sounds obvious to you and I, you know, but there's a little artist like that. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and I turned those artists down. I actually turned one down last week because he had, I mean, what he has is great, but I know those expectations aren't they're just not realistic and I we're not the firm for him because we are so grassroots so I sent him to another firm that I don't know if they can accomplish it but they at least have some established acts um 
that maybe there's that cachet, but then, you know, you also run the risk of how far, you know, how high up are you on the chain when they have to pick a priority. They're going to prioritize the larger artist. So, you know. We've touched on this a little bit already, but what are, um, in some of the other things we've talked about here, but what are some of the mistakes that you see? Because a lot of artists, you know, until maybe they are ready, they may not be quite ready or, or they may feel that they can handle doing their own PR, at least in the very beginning. What are some of the mistakes uh, that you see artists make when they're handling their own uh, um, I think the, a lot of it is around the release. Um, I see this happen a lot where they just got the masters back from the studio and they call that the release date. So if they're doing a PR campaign, they're not, you know, they're not building in the lead time and media has lead time. Um, the other thing is, is they release all their tracks all at once or they release too much content, which ends up overwhelming the media because they have so much to cover and they can't keep covering the same band. So it ends up coming back to bite them a little bit. Um, let's see, what else? Oh, I, this happens a lot too. Um, we have a lot of bands come to us wanting Pitchfork because, you know, Pitchfork has some cachet, let's face it. But they don't, they're just not a fit because Pitchfork is completely a niche. So, um, you know, they may be pitching Pitchfork thinking, well, I need to get into Pitchfork, but have never actually read the magazine or read the outlet. And they're just randomly pitching people because they've heard the name. And so they put it on the list and start going after it. Um, okay, so you you seem very knowledgeable um, and uh, and about this whole subject. How did you get started in uh, in in music publicity? Well, I worked. Um, I actually started out working at South by Southwest, and I was in registration. Um, and there, I just ended up meeting people, and a job came up for at BMG Distribution, which at the time was a big distributor of record labels like RCA, um, Jive, V2, Arista, um, and they needed a college rep. And I ended up getting the college rep position, and that position was known for bringing people up into the company or hiring people into the company. So I did get hired, and they eventually moved me to Detroit to do alternative marketing, and that was – I'm still in Detroit now um, – and that's really how it started. And then being in that day in and day out of developing artists, because we were developing, I mean, at the time, RCA was really new to the alternative world, and that was, like, my specialty at the time. Um, so they had a lot of artists that were just kind of up and coming, like Beth Orton when she first started out. Um, Mercury, were they Mercury Rep? No, that was me too. But... Foo Fighters, they were later on were able to grab Foo Fighters um, and add that to the cachet, but we were doing all that grassroots marketing in the beginning, and then they were able to really build up and pick up some bigger bands from just kind of, again, that team effort. So I think BMG is really what instilled it in me. Um, and then eventually BMG merged with Sony, and I stayed there a couple of years after that, but then I ended up quitting eight and a half years ago that I quit and went full-time with Green Light Go. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
you you use the term grassroots uh, mm-hmm. several times. Go ahead and just kind of give us the the, the Janelle Rogers uh, definition of grassroots. I guess so. This will get into a little bit more specifics about your approach. Okay. Um, well, a lot of times we're working with artists that just don't have a lot yet. You know, they haven't built up their social networks, or nobody knows who they are, and they're just getting started. So we don't have a lot of what we call selling points where, you know, you can say a big producer worked with them or, you know, somebody important appeared on their record, like all the things that bigger artists are able to use or that they had a hit single. So we have to figure out really creative ways um, to get them out there and really target them so that we can build them up. So in a lot of cases, I'm just – when I'm building the press list, I'm looking at who would be the most likely to cover them at their level. And it's just being really, I'm very analytical. So taking a really analytical approach to it. And then it's just, again, continuing to dig in. And I'm, when I pitch, I also really focus on the outlet. And I, I thankfully have this ability to read between the lines on what people are looking for. So I can I know how to target everything really specifically based on what would seem to grab them. Uh, all your years of experience have probably contributed to your being able to uh, do that. Um, it sort of becomes kind of an art. Uh, so yeah, uh, yeah, very cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, so speaking of uh, your outlets, um, what? Um, what genres, because uh, I, I talked to a lot of music uh, PR people, and everybody's kind of got their set. So mm-hmm. what, what is your sort of set of genres that, you, that you're most effective at? Um, well, we do, it, like, indie rock at its core. Um, I'm always about a great indie pop melody. Do, let's see, so we're kind of doing, um, we're going back to our power pop roots a little bit now that that's coming back. Electro pop, synth pop, dream pop, um, Americana and folk, singer songwriter, indie folk. My two, lo- I mean, indie folk is probably one of my favorites. And if you can blend synth pop and indie folk, those are that's really what I love more than anything. Um, but yeah, those are the genres. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, it's uh, it's it's any advice that you would give. Uh, you know, we've got you on the phone here for a few minutes. <laughs> Throw out a couple of nuggets uh, for because uh, I got a lot of independent musicians that listen. Um, if you to, to one or two to help, to help I would, out, I would say plan your release. Don't just jump in and do it. Um, when you're in the studio, start planning out what do you want to accomplish with that record so you can plan in advance and have a budget for the other things that you need to do. Um, Also, don't set a release date before you finish your record because things always come up. And if you set a release date and then the record's not ready, by the time the release date happens, you're in a little bit of a situation. Um, And also don't, just don't overdo the content space it out a little bit, give people enough time to breathe and ha- and build up new anticipation. Uh, and then be patient. That's my yeah. other thing is just know that it's really, this is, I used this recently that, you know, when you take a PR campaign and you're really only doing it anywhere from 12 weeks to about 
you know, six months, you can't expect that you're going to end up, you know, in these huge outlets if you're an unknown artist. By the end of that, it's sort of like getting an entry-level job out of college and then expecting to be a CEO by the end, you know, within six months. It's just, it's that same thing. You just have to keep building and developing. And sometimes it does happen. There are bands that get a break and it, you know, it just comes out of nowhere, but it's really rare. And I can probably count on one hand in 20 years how many times that's happened. It's that rare. And that's working with, you know, major record labels too. Um, give, give uh, this, I, I have a question because you, you mentioned this, con, this uh, concept a couple times, too much content. Could you mm-hmm. like elaborate on, uh, could you elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. Well, I mean, one thing that happens is that, um, let's say you release your first single and it's really starting to take off, but, um, you already plan to release a second single. And I had this happen back in December where the, the single took off. And it was already, it was still building. It wasn't done, but we went ahead and released another single, and people weren't ready for it. They were still on the first single, um, and then we released another single after that um, in February. So we did. We re- sort of tried to lengthen it out in January after the holidays, and we got a little bit then, and then we went with another one in February. And at that point, we started scaling back the content, but. Um, if you have an EP and it's only four songs, unless you're doing something where you want to kind of, again, lengthen that out, um, I would only re- release one single off of it, or I'd wait about six to eight weeks in between singles before releasing another one. Because especially if you're doing it, if you're trying to do a PR campaign, a journalist is not going to be ready for that in, a, in one month. They're just not. They've they've already paid, they just paid attention to your first single, and if they covered you, the chances of them it reduces the chances of them covering you again because they just covered you, and they have hundreds of other bands that they're getting a day that they need to cover as well. So, okay, Th- thanks for clearing that up. I was just kind of I just wanted to get you. I wanted you to expound on that a little bit. That's great advice. Um, now, um, is there uh, anything, because you, you and I were talking before we started recording, <laughs> that you were talking, I guess, with your assistant or something, you were coming up with all kinds of ideas to talk about in the interview. Is there anything that's, like, burning you just you just have to get out? <laughs> well, let's and see. <laughs> let's look at my handy-dandy list. Um, oh, bad photos. Yes, we have this on the list. The bad photos and um, band imaging. Like, just... You know, kind of having your friend take a picture of you in the basement or doing the old brick wall photo. What? Um, the brick wall photo is no longer a, a, an option? I, I, think, I don't think it ever should have been, personally. The key, yeah, so that one is just not having something that really is clear on who you are or you think you're one sound, but really it's something completely different. So you take these pictures on one based on a sound that you're not really. Um, I say always invest in a professional photographer unless you have someone who is a, is a photographer and knows what media is looking for. Um, Also asking too much of media, being too persistent. So for instance, let's say that you, you know, you reached out to Brooklyn vegan and 
they, uh, you know, you reached out to them on Monday and you didn't hear from them by Tuesday, you decided you were going to reach out again just to make sure they got that email. <laughs> um, that would not be good. You want to, one, you, when you're going back to a media outlet, you want to make sure that you have something new to tell them. And you really shouldn't be doing it more than like within, I, I would wait at least two weeks. Um, the only time I don't wait two weeks is if they've shown interest and it's time sensitive. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, what is coming? What uh, What's new? Tell me something. Listen, we've been talking about like what I'm, what I want to know and what I think my audience wants to hear. But what do you got going on? Is there anything that uh, the Greenlight Go has going on that you would like to uh, plug? Hmm. Um, you know, I have just been so dived into these campaigns lately. We have some interesting things in the works, but nothing that I can actually state yet. <laughs> okay. I know, okay. still under the radar on that. That's but, right. Um, That's right. You, but you are you are still interested in you are still looking you're uh, like taking submissions from artists, correct? We are. We book. Um, we do typically book two to three months in advance. So, for instance, right now. Looks like my next open slot is November second. So uh, it's just really so that's so how I say people, think how, ahead. How do people go ahead then and get get in touch with you? Um, the best way is there's a submission form on the website, and um, it says, "Oh, I know I should know this." It's something <laughs> to the effect of, "I want to work with you." Um, you pull it from the drop down on contact us and fill out every single piece that's on that form because I've had bands submit to us and not send music. Oh. Nobody should have to chase your music down. <laughs> and Make that might just get deleted. Make it easy for people to help you folks, okay? If you're asking for help, <laughs> at least give them the song. <laughs> yeah, and let me know what you're looking for. Why do you need a publicist? Um, we do only focus on album and EP releases. We don't do tour support. So... Um, yeah, that's that and is the, our and the, focus. And the website is it is glgpub.com. That's it, glgpub.com, folks. So uh, check out glgpub.com. Also, I believe that you have a pretty um, uh, you you have uh, like a mailing list where you can receive weekly advice or something, right? Uh, am I exactly. right about that? Exactly. So I'm in the works of writing a few articles that are actually mention what we discussed today. So um, if you go to the website, um, glgpub.com, it's I think in pink letters it says receive weekly, uh, free weekly advice. And when somebody like Janelle Rogers is going to give you free advice, you better listen to it, okay? <laughs> so click that button and sign up because um, it's if you're doing your own PR, at least for the time being, you're going you're gonna to have a leg up by paying attention to what Janelle has to say. Uh, Janelle, thank you so much for uh, taking some time out of your busy schedule to talk with us. I really thank appreciate you. it. All right. You have a great day. And, again, that is glgpub.com. And if you would hang on the line for one second uh, so I, while I end the recording, okay? All right. Sure. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.